You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the game, yeah, building the game. Sure, this is a good show already. It hasn't started yet, but it's about to. It's about to start, Jason. This episode is about to start. Are you it's ready? Live. It's lit. It's on. It's like Donkey Kong. It's like uh, 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 that you failed. Yeah, just you threw that me off a there. Hard crash. You, you threw me three, off there. Three, one, two. It's episode three, one, two. Yeah. It's it's We're gonna three one two May twenty first twenty eighteen two thousand and eighteen. My name is Rob. Jason's My name here. is Jason. Sorry, scheduling change, folks. Dwayne T. Leonard couldn't make it this week, unfortunately. Oh, hopefully, he, hopefully he'll be be able to come back and visit us in the future. I hope so, so I apologize for that. He um, loves to visit. Uh, but uh, thanks for coming back to the show. Uh, thanks for. Uh, continuing to listen, or if this is your first time sitting down to listen to good old BTG, welcome. It's nice to have you. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. <laughs> the last episode was pretty good. The one before it was a turd. Yeah, I appreciated the opener on that. I was actually expected that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was it was the right time. Speaking of openers, uh huh. Let's open some birch beer. Yeah. Oh, look at that! Ooh, look at that! We got in. we've got Pennsylvania Dutch brand birch beer. Pennsylvania Dutch, made from an old Pennsylvania Dutch recipe. Pennsylvania Dutch since 1936. Made from old Pennsylvania Dutch people. Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer made by it's the people. Made from the dried corpses of the Pennsylvania Dutch. Birch beer is people. <sighs> yeah, rips your hands up. Love it. Earn it. <laughs> Get some. You need to work in the garage more, swing a hammer or something more often so that your God, hands toughen up. Hands, Rob. I built a desk this weekend, by the way, Jason. Really? I did. I built did a desk. A desk desk? Wait, why did you build a desk? Well, because I bought a you new printer. That. So I bought a new printer, right? I, I, I had, we've been talking about this a little bit. Yeah, you did buy a printer. I bought a printer. I, I had an old uh, HP uh, inkjet thing, inkjet printer scanner thing. And uh, and it was, it's. I mean, I've had that printer longer than I've had my wife. Okay, it was time. It was time. The feed rollers were going out. There's so many poor comparisons. Yeah, uh, uh, the feed rollers were. It, it just wasn't feeding paper well anymore. It was time. It was time. So I splurged and I bought a color laser printer, uh, which was not cheap. But holy cow, I love it. Downside is it's a lot bigger than the old inkjet I had, so I needed some more desk space. So you built the desk. Yeah, and what did you do with your old desk? Well, I I built a second desk, Jason. Let me let me take a sip of this birch beer here real quick. Mmm, mmm, I like that. That's where it's at. Dutch people taste good. Yeah. Um. Mm. Yeah. So no one else has seen Rob's office except for me. But let me tell you about Rob's office. It, even without the new desk he built, it was peak desk okay because <laughs> like the whole office is one friggin desk like holy crap dude it's like desk 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 no it was desk desk okay well, it's table no that it's, table is friggin enormous it's a beautiful table though isn't it it is but oh, you don't need another desk i had and so i had the i had i had Did the you build the cart or a desk? i had the desk and i had the drafting table okay and the da- yeah. the drafting table is kind of my craft workspace for for stuff right scrapbooking stuff yeah mainly you, yeah right that, I'm, I'm a big scrapbooker 
Um, it's, yeah, duh. So, um, so my desk, my my desk that I've been using ever since I moved out of my parents' house when I was, you know, 19, 20. I was probably 20. I think I was 20 when I finally moved out. Anyway, uh, so uh, my desk is uh, uh, my dad's old desk, uh, which is a door, a hollow core door uh, uh, laid across the top of two metal filing cabinets that my dad picked up off the side of the road. Uh, so that's been my desk for... Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, a long time. used to record in your studio. Right, yeah. Uh, so I, with this new color laser printer, I said, you know what, it's time for me to uh, get a little more desk space because I don't have room for this printer. So I... Uh, I I'll spare you the long story. Basically, really, <laughs> because doesn't feel like it. <laughs> my my dad happened to have another hollow core door sitting in his garage, <laughs> and luckily some some table legs too. So you've heard of a door to door salesman. Your dad is a hollow core door salesman. Hey-oh! Oh, oh, oh! So yeah, so I uh, it's by just keep on coming by built a desk. I mean, I screwed some legs to a door. Yeah. <laughs> to be clear, that's what I said. You didn't build a desk. I, I assembled parts that were previously Other separate, things. disparate things, you right? Frankenstein and, and I, I assembled them and cr- turned them into a a a constructive, useful piece of furniture. Okay, okay. You turned them into a printer right. stand. I t- it's it's a lot how bigger. How big is this printer? It's how big is a door, Jason? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, right. like, you said printer, not how desk. Sorry, I thought you were saying how like, big is this desk. I was, how big is the printer that you need that big of a door for it? Well, it was just an excuse to get some more workspace, really. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, so I don't approve of your Dorsk. So... <laughs> Oh well, listen though. But to be clear, when you're working in your office, I mean, I hope it works out. I mean, so may the Dorsk be with you. <laughs> oh, all right. Thanks everybody for listening to the show. We appreciate it. You know what you could use in your room? What a hutch to put stuff in. Uh huh. You'd have Dorsky and Hutch. <laughs> oh, you're, you're you're stretching. You're reaching there. That's that's a bit much. That's well, a bit much. You know, I mean, you made. Two desks out of two doors. I don't think you should be laying judgment on anyone else. <laughs> hey, I'm, hey, you know what? Free is better than not free. Okay, it's works. It's I practical. Feel like that statement is fairly subjective to the situation <laughs> you're dealing with. My, the, the the problem that I had is I did not have a work a surface on which to put this printer, which which is probably eighteen inches square. Okay, and, not, is it bigger? How much bigger than my printer is it? It's about as wide. It's maybe an inch wider than that, and as deep as as okay. that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. So, how big of paper can it print on? Legal size. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's Is it not edge to edge. Uh, I think it's like eighth of an inch okay, uh, margin. It's not bad. I haven't done full round of testing on it and, right. and run through its paces all the way around. Can it do cardstock? Uh, you don't. It can cardstock. do cardstock. Do you print on cardstock? Occasionally, I try not to, but occasionally, cardstock. yeah. But cardstock yeah, is my jail. I did a lot of research to make sure I could find a printer that would print on cardstock just in case I needed it. Because a lot of laser printers won't. Um, and I had to spend a little more money to get one that would that would said yes, we'll print on up to what I think it said up to 110 pound or something. Okay. So um, yeah, it's a Samsung. I don't remember the model number off the top of my head, but um, but so far I've been I've been pre- pleased with it. Is it wireless? It, it can be. I've not set that up. Right. Um, I just set that up 
accidentally. Yeah. And it's funny. My work computer now is always like, do you want to print on the Epson printer? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Color laser printer. It was kind of overkill. It was more than I needed, but it's it's what I wanted. Right. You know? And I, I know I'll be very happy to have it. Because I, I don't want just a black and white printer. I like I like being able to do some color. Oh, no. I got a color print all the way, man. I mean, I yeah. I go through ink like I'm running out of style. Yeah. So, um, and the and the color, I, it's, it's more expensive up front, right? But the toner, the toner cartridges for in, in a laser will go last a lot longer than inkjet. Cartridges, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So they say yeah. they say you know page for page, it's a cheaper way to go, cheaper prints. Sure, yeah. And considering how much prototyping we yeah. do all the time, right? That I think I feel like it made sense for me. So, uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's going to go through its paces though because Origins is coming up soon. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I am going to definitely be looking for some play testers for Red Planet. So I need to get back to that and get some some better. Yeah. Better prototypes put together for that. Um, I'm officially going to Origins for a day. Hey. One whole day for a long, long day. All right. So, and then I'll be there a second day, but I'll be mostly there with my fam. I mean, I may like send them off to play or something, and yeah. then I may like play some games, but I mean, for the most part, I'll be Sunday, I'll be with them. So Sure. So what's new with you? Um, uh, I don't know. Not much. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, making some really good progress. Uh, I'm told on the prototype for, uh, um, uh, Origins, the co-design. Uh, yeah. The person I'm co-designing with was like, um, was like, I was like, how do you want to work out the prototype? Like, because, you know, like, uh, I mean, you're going to be at Origins longer. Would you rather assemble it? And he was like, oh, spoiler, it's a dude. Mm. He was like, uh. I, I really like making prototypes. And I was like, let's co-design more games. Because I really hate making prototypes. And he's like, Jesus and I'm more an idea, man. He's like, I'm pretty good at making prototypes. And I'm like, and I'm not. Again, let's make more games. <laughs> yeah, let's make more games. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah, more of an idea, man. That's that's your that's your game. Yeah, I was. Yeah. That's your jam. My strength finder that I took. Uh huh. Ideation as like one of my top five things. I, that's not a real word. It is. It's a made up word. Ideation. It means you get energy, uh, and enthusiasm from new ideas. Does that not describe me? I feel like that describes me. It, I with that. Yeah. What that's a nice way. The business way of saying you enjoy bullshitting. <laughs> that's that's what that means. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, this it's is, true. This, well, that's true, but here's the deal, right? <laughs> okay. What they'll tell you is uh, somebody who's into big ideas will eventually hit with one of those big ideas, right? So so I provide, I provide transformation. Somebody like you just provides consistency. So I think that awesome, uh-huh. less awesome. Keep telling yourself that, bub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, so co-designing is cool. Uh, we're having fun with it. It's very uh, out of water for both, fish out of water for both of us because it's neither one of us are designing the way we would normally design, and that's fun. Uh, but maybe when we record from Origins, uh, we'll get uh, that person on the show, and we can pitch the game, talk about it. Origins. Who is that? Um, um, Eric always says that. He, the way his accent, he says Origins. Oh, Eric Handler? Yeah. yeah. Says, yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. 
That's okay. You yeah. know what, Eric? Because I think Eric listens to the show, actually. Yeah. Eric, let me tell you what. That's not as weird as Mario, Jason Tagmeyer. Yeah. Or when Nicole was on our show, uh-huh. Nicole Amato, she said one time, she said, Mario. And I because of everything else happened in that episode, I yeah. didn't call her out. Right. But like, because I did the Rainbow Road rap. Yeah. And she was like, Mario. Yeah. So. See, and I'm I'm going to be very, very very deliberate about what I'm going to say next because I know that Eric is one of those builders who listens to the show at double speed. So, I thought I would slow down just to say, hello, That's it. I can't. I can't maintain. See, is where I would say, Eric. If we're going to talk about it, what we should probably do is just talk really quick about it, and then maybe you could just listen to it at triple speed, and that would work. Probably the idea would be that we'd see you at Origins when you say it funny, but we'd see you there and we get to play some games, and that always be fun. So I hope you really like listening to our show. Thanks. Bye. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I said. I said some words, but a lot of words. Because like bl- you blacked out for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Black of oxygen. Right. Uh, all right. Let's talk about a topic. Let's huh? talk about a topic. Topic, topic, topic. We got a suggestion from a topic. I need- oh, Jason just spilled burst beer all over himself. <laughs> this is bad. Oh, oh, it's about time something got spilled, and it wasn't my fault. It's, yeah, this, it's red. This is not good. It's not good, is it? Oh, uh, it's it's almost as bad as beer all over your floor. Uh, I'll be right back. Okay, Jason's gonna be right back while we while he addresses this. So I'm going to see who uh, that was that, that gave us that uh, theme idea, or the topic idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I think what you mean to say is, and we're back <laughs> after after spilling uh, uh, birch beer all over your recording booth down here and then Pretty stopping sweet. to clean it up. So yes, now you're going to look up the topic idea. That was a, That was a fun little venture. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Was great. I had to change my clothes and everything. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. This is from AJ Wagers. Here's a topic. When or why should a game be consumable? I uh, think about rolling rights with a pad versus a whiteboard uh, and then legacy games that you know you destroy as you play or rolling right legacy. He said this sounds like a pitch challenge, but I feel like this sounds like a topic. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, games with consumable items, or the entire game is consumable in theory, uh, is kind of what he's saying. Right. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this kind of stuff uh, in, in smaller pieces before. We talked about legacy games before. We talked about roll and rights before. Um, but I mean, this could could also be things like like just general score pads in games, you know, right? To some some degree. Exactly. Yeah, which yeah. which used to be kind of a scary thing, but now that people have scanners and phones and and printers, it's not as big a deal. I, I remember being a little kid and and having clue, right? 
and and we have to write on the pieces we have to write and what about what about when we use them all up then we can never play it again and of course that's not a thing now right that's, well and it wasn't a thing then well no, they gave but, you so many that you could have played you know but 50 games and it wouldn't have mattered but as a little kid of course i didn't understand i had that, the same right? panic as well yeah right um and even uh, yeah anyway so um yeah so consumable games um Considering, and we've talked about this in the context of legacy games before, considering that, you know, with very rare exceptions, no game in my collection is going to get played more than five or six times. Right. You know, um, and the bigger my collection gets, the lower that average is likely to go. <laughs> Plus, I've not, I mean, I played some roll and write games that I thought were fun, but I've never played one where I was like, I'm going to play this all the time. Sure. Right. Yeah. Here's, though, a good example. So I backed, oh, sh- Beal Press or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was, uh, it's a roll and write adventure book type thing. So like a bunch of roll and write games that you play one time as you work through it. Right. Mm, okay. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Cause it, yeah. literally you are destroying the game as you play it. Right. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, I can play multiple times. I mean, I guess I could scan it again, but you've also played the game. Right. Yeah. So I don't know that it's really replayable. I'm not sure I haven't gotten it yet. But. Yeah, and uh, that just reminded me of uh, Chroma Cubes, which uh, from uh, Chip Vo- Chip Chip Bovee did yeah, that. Yeah, 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 right. Chroma Cubes. That was a coloring game, right? You're coloring a picture yep. uh, as you're rolling dice, um, which is which is a super cool idea. And that's another game where you're consuming stuff, right? That game, though, the the plan I believe was uh, Chip. If you still listen, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I believe the thing was. Um, they would purposely put things out online you could print. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Well, meaning like even new things. So it wasn't like here's replacements. Yeah. It was like here's other shapes and fun stuff you can color. Right. That was one of the neat things about the game. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, just I, you know, always new stuff to color, always new things to... to right, 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 yeah. And theoretically for that game, if you understood the balancing of it, you could make anything, any coloring thing to match that. Sure, yeah. It'd be easily adaptable for... for um, Players, players to make their own things. I'm Absolutely. sure. I'm sure if that had been successful, if um, what that was signed with uh, Fifth Street, I believe before Fifth Street um, went kerplutz. Went kerplutz. I theoretically, then that would have turned into a thing that hopefully Board Game Geek, the the community on there, would keep alive, uh, even without help from the publisher. You oh know? Yeah, 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 I bet. Yeah. Um, or even something the designer could do for fun, like, hey, I put sure. this together. Check yeah. it out, guys. Yeah, Chip, if you're still out there, if you're still listening, uh, it'd be great to hear from you. How you know? I I, I know I for a while that uh, the f- folks at Flip the Table, I know they were they were big fans of that, and they were uh, giving you some shout outs there. Just be curious for an update on to to see what, where you are with uh, Chroma Cubes right now. Yeah. Until they gave up podcasting, like traders, not traders, yeah. just quitters. Well, quitters, just quitters, big time quitters. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah, so, gosh, what else is there to talk about uh, well, on this subject? So, go so ahead. So, thinking around, I, I was really thinking about the idea of, you know, the one-time playthrough, right? Or, like, like legacy games, right? You play 10 sessions of, say, Risk Legacy, and you're done with it. And I, I don't think that's a problem, right? Some people no, nor do, do I. Um, but, you know, some people are like, oh, I paid $60 for a game. I'd only paid 10 times. Well, you do it all the time. Uh, yeah. I paid sixty dollars for games I've even played one time. Yeah, and girl, as, me. Especially knowing that in advance, knowing that that's part of the reason, wow. part of the point, right? Right, right. But I mean, here, so here was his the real thing for his question that I think matters, right? Okay. When, when, and why, when, why do you choose to make a game consumable over traditional methods? When and why. 
Uh, it's an interesting question, right? It is, right, yeah. So when and why? Uh, and and the, the kind of the simple cop-out answer to that is when it makes sense, you know? Oh, okay, all right. So you're going to pitch a game now? <laughs> I can. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so when it makes sense. Um, when When writing something is easier than... Well, easier or makes more sense uh, or, or, or yeah, when it is easier or makes more sense than moving a piece on a score track or, right. or laying stuff out in front of you, you know? I think, I think when mechanically it's more fun. Yep. Uh, in addition to that, I think um, when, you know, mechanically it is uh, easier to make right yeah um, yeah Catan dice is one of the first roll and write games i ever played and i don't know uh-huh. it was an early one i don't know if it was the first or one of the first but mm-hmm. uh it was earlier in the process of roll and write games and that game came with dice mm-hmm. and um and the pads and pencils right yeah that was the whole thing and with that um you rolled the dice you got things and then you use that to purchase things and you purchased them you colored them in right uh-huh uh, and it was like a pre-built Catan board that you filled in, filling in the roads and moving along and building the stuff. And mm-hmm. and then you could use those things by crossing them out and using them. And that was a really neat idea. The first time I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. you know. And the reason for that is you would have needed a ton of sure. components, right? Mm-hmm. And this saved on components. It made it a compact little game. And frankly, it was a dice game that wouldn't have made any money if they'd had to put all those components, like the Catan yeah. components in there, right? Sure. Um, where with this, you could have as many players as you wanted because they all get their own sheet, and you just share the dice. Uh, and then at that point, the worst thing is downtime, right? So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so when it makes sense, when it's uh, when when it's the, the best choice, the easiest choice, the fastest, most efficient choice for tracking information. Um, Another option would be when it's the only way to, to achieve the game you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Chroma Cubes is a great example of that, right? Sure, yeah, right. I mean, he wanted people to have the experience of coloring, right? Right, right. Uh, and playing a game at the same time. And frankly, with P- even if you said he wanted people to have the experience of doing what you do with that, taking out the coloring aspect, I don't see how that game translates very well Yeah. with... Um, see, that's a game, man, where that would have been a BA app, right? Like, sure. uh, for like your iPhone or something to where... Yeah. He, You'd roll the fake dice and then just tap what you wanted to color in. Mm-hmm. You could have had ten gajillion different shape uh, things to color. Yeah, that'd have been a really good app. It could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it. It it takes out part of the kind of the sort of almost childlike aspect of it of coloring with crayons. You know. Yeah, but there's a lot of coloring apps now. Man. You're right. There and are. They're that, pretty cool. That, actually. That's a popular thing. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. I was. I have one called Recolor, and I've colored a few things just for like stress relieving. Like, oh, this is yeah. kind of neat. And yeah, Christine. Fun. Christine's messed around with several of those, and she enjoys them as well. Yeah. And you can end up with really cool looking stuff. Yeah, out of it. better than if I ever colored <clears throat> something. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, and I have seen some of the stuff that people have shared online. I think Copac uh, is uh, is a is a user of those as well. I think he might be. Yeah. Some of the stuff that he shared online is really some beautiful stuff. Um, yeah. Um. Hmm. So. So that was really, um, Chroma Cube was really about capturing the feeling, right? Yeah, right. Capturing the feeling of that. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it just, sometimes it's just more fun that way, right? Um, I, I think that you have to make sure that it's the right medium, right? That you want to translate the game in. Because it's not going to be for everybody. Some people just want game components and they right. don't like the idea of 
coloring things in or something like that. You know what this has got me thinking of now is, um, gosh, so often, and I'm a little embarrassed, I go back to Battletech. I'm not embarrassed because Battletech is awesome. Oh, but yeah, no, no, that's a great example. But I love Battletech. And and I remember one of the one of the most exciting parts of Battletech for me, not exciting, but was something that was oddly satisfying is is that on on your mech, you know, you had uh, you, you, on, on your character sheet or your mech sheet, um, you had the diagram of, of your uh, of your mech uh, that had um, a front view and a back view and had little circles over each section. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, no, I play Battletech. Okay, yeah, 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 exactly right. what you're talking right. about. Right, so, so as you take damage, you have to color in those little circles, right? And and that, Taking damage was fun, right? Right, it was. It was fun to color in those little circles, and then if you run out of circles to color in on a limb, on your arm, then they transfer to your core, right, to your torso. So now I, now I feel like I want to do like some kind of a, a mech combat roll and write game where your tracking is coloring in coloring in damage on your mech and the goal yep. is to blow up the opponent. Yep. I I along the same vein I've always wanted to do like a house one, like a like a building a log cabin, yeah. right? Like by coloring stuff. Yeah, in. you've like, talked about that before. Yeah. 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 Cuz that I think translates really well to it as well. But yeah, the yeah. mech thing other than the fact that it would be you'd have to make it not feel like a rip off of old BattleTech. Well, I you it would have to be inspired by, right? It would have to be right. clearly inspired by. Right, that's true. Yeah. And I, but I think, I think people would get it right away. Oh, you could make BattleTech dice, right? Like yeah. literally like it's a BattleTech dice game. You could have your two guys, you could like two little minis facing each other, right, with the hex grid. And instead of moving, it's just them turning back and forth, right? I don't know why you'd have to turn those. So I guess I don't literally know like you just would be rolling dice. Yeah. You could choose um, because you could make the genice, genice, the <laughs> dice generic enough uh-huh. um, that you would be able to um, you would be able to uh, use them. So, like, I'm going to use my PPC cannon, right? Right. Because yeah. you also, yeah, yeah, particle projection cannon. You could also be ch- t- taking off da- ammo then in that way, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I mean is, like, so I roll the dice, and depending on what I'm doing, uh-huh. those dice inform what happens, right? Yeah. Um. You know, and that that could be like the dice have positives and negatives, right? Um, and I have to roll like, yeah, like literally, it could just be like good results, bad results, yeah. and something in between, right? Disastrous results or super right. good results. If you're using d sixes, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, that being the case, I would roll the dice, and I would have to get X number of good results depending on where I was aiming, right? So, or you could have one die that is location die right and everything else is but you could like spend certain points and maybe hit a specific location or something or Mm -hmm. yeah Hmm. the thing i hated about battletech was correct me if i'm wrong but if somebody got lucky and rolled ahead you you might just die wasn't that a thing but it was hard you had to roll like two dice yeah you you can i mean you can do a called shot i believe it would you know and and i play different ways with different people and i don't know how many of those were like legit rules and how many of those times was house rules i honestly don't remember but there you could do called called shots where you uh where you could specifically target ahead if you wanted to but if you miss then you miss Mm -hmm. you there were also things where you could just you could you could roll against a chart to see what part you hit um, yeah, th- there were different ways to do that. But, but you had to get like double sixes or double ones to hit the head or and something. I don't remember exactly. It's been yeah. a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. And I'm not even sure that we always played that way, come to think of it. I just remember one time we played and my friend rolled the head. Yeah. Like a big blast, like on turn one. Yeah. And, which, I mean, to be fair, that's where the pilot is. So, you know. 
oh, you're dead. Yeah, but I mean, it's just kind of stinks. Like, on yeah. turn one, that's not fun. Yeah, right. Um, hmm. There's, I, gosh, there's something there, dude. There's something there. Yeah, yeah. There's something there. That could make be it, a thing. Make it. That could be make a Make a rolling rock game. I'm going to just bleep this entire section so that I can do that and... <laughs> <laughs> right because <laughs> i feel like that's a really good idea no one's gonna steal it i know nobody's I mean, gonna I'm steal gonna it start working at it as soon as you leave but yeah i feel like it's a really good idea it's cool that i want to maybe do. we should do uh maybe we should do a pitch challenge with roll and write games well but that's what i would do like well, so well then, i know that's what i mean like both of us design roll and write game to pitch on the show like over the next coming weeks Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, we can do that. We we can just say for the, for the next two episodes, we're gonna we're gonna pitch roll and write games, and yeah, that that would yeah. be the one that I work on, and you can work I'll on your log cabin. Like log cabin sure. one, yeah. yeah. Okay, we can do that. That'll be fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, like, are you thinking? Like, I would probably do a dice game with roll and write. I probably would too, but I but I like see so so much of that is is also about maneuvering and you know, um. So I I might want to also have some kind of a simple mini minis positioning thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to think about it. It'd be better if it was just a single sheet, though. Right. Huh. Well, but you could also have it be a... I feel like you shouldn't have movement in the game, right? Right. Um, just because that's a big part hmm. of the game, but it's a consuming part of the game, right? The idea of a dice game is is um, distilling it down yeah, into right. the one thing, right? Hmm. So, yeah. just a Just a thought. Right. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna chew on that. I'm gonna chew on that. But um, so this is a good example, right? This is a situation where con- a consumable thing, you know, it, there's a reason for it to be there, right? In this case, it keys into that that feeling of of oh, I'm gonna color in these little circles because that's what we used to do in BattleTech, you know, right. a thing a thing where where it there there's a good reason for that to be there. Not not just not a roll and write game, just just to make a roll and write game, right? A legacy game just because we want to make a legacy game, right? It, it it makes sense when when it fits what you want to accomplish, and that's why you know again, Risk Legacy being the the flagship for all this stuff, as far as I know, um, uh, it, it was those things where you're tearing up cards or you're applying stickers to the game board that's changing the map, right? The map of the world, and those sorts of things, and those those changes make sense. They fit. Uh, they fit the idea. Uh, of changing the map as you as the world is conquered, borders move, and so it makes sense right. that the map yeah. will change as you play, right? So, so doing those things when they make sense thematically and they make sense mechanically, um, that's when it's the right time to do that. I think I that's agree. that's what we've gotten to in this discussion. Yeah. I feel like this was a good discussion. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, and we've got things to pitch now. Yeah, yeah. woo. Speaking of pitching, yeah, get on. So I'm gonna re pitch. I'm gonna repitch my prom prom game, my solo prom game, because um, cool. And I don't think I've ever. I mean, I've done repitches before, but I've never done one so quickly <laughs> before. Well, I don't think any of us have done one that quickly. Not even yeah. me. Um, but but so uh, again, for anybody who doesn't remember, just a quick recap. Uh, there's a solo game contest going on in Game Crafter right now, and you know, you guys know by now that I like to submit things to Game Crafter contests, not because I expect to win, but because I like to challenge myself and I like to give myself deadlines and expectations because I work better with a deadline. Uh, and I think this deadline is the beginning of July. So that gives me, you know, basically a solid two months to figure this out. Uh, last week, or yeah, excuse me, two weeks ago, I talked about this idea of, of a solo game 
where you're trying to you're you're dating somebody to try and ultimately get them to agree to go to prom with you. You know, you're you're flirting with them, you're trying to romance them, whatever. Um, and I talked through basically a kind of a scoring structure, or or a, not not even really scoring, but a but a kind of a win lose scenario, um, a basic setup, and then a win lose scenario. But I but the actual gameplay part of it, I had no idea what to do with that. Um, but I, I and so I've been working on it since then, and I think I do have an actual gameplay thing to add into it here. Cool. Okay, so I'll go back and I'll and I'll set it up again. Uh, the idea is uh, that. Um, You've, there are two decks of cards. Each deck has 32 cards in it. Okay, there's the, the date deck and the romance deck. The date deck represents uh, the person that you're trying to ask out. Mm-hmm. All right? Uh, the romance deck is all the things that you're going to do to try and romance this person. Okay. Okay. With the goal being, at the end of the game, that you will ask them to prom and they will say yes. Um, mm-hmm. Also, at the start of the game, you are going to pick the person that you want to ask out. And there could be, I don't know, two or four or 20 characters that you're going to pick from. But you're going to pick one every time you play the game. Just one? Just one. Um, yeah. You that, know, like a backup? I, well, so that's something I've actually thought about, that there might be a backup that you could kind of strategically pick your backup and, and decide which way you want to go midway through the game, potentially. Or or even, like, here's a pool of, like, three three people I might ask, right? Yeah, maybe. Um Maybe, yeah. It's it's something to think about. Just a thought. Yeah, it, it gives you a little more variety. It just feels very high schooly, right? It does. It's true, right? But it, it it's it's one of those kinds of things that you know maybe that's different between easy play and hard play or something, right? Um, and then in different characters are going to have different difficulties. Um, every character is going to have kind of a, a guide or or a structure that they want you to accomplish by the end of the game. Uh, there, the game is played in four rounds. So uh, if for the initial setup, you're going to, you're going to shuffle that deck of 32 date cards and you're going to deal out four piles of five cards. Okay. That, so you're not going to use all of the date cards in every game. The rest of them are just going to set aside. Okay. Uh, so four stacks with five cards in each stack. You're going to then flip over the top two cards from each stack. So you can see the first two things in each stack but then mm-hmm. there's three more cards that are face down. You're then going to take your deck of uh, 32 romance cards, you're going to shuffle them, and then you're going to draw five into your hand. Okay? Uh, let's see. So then um, e- uh, the game is played in four rounds, and the four rounds have different themes for each round, and, and, and you can pick which theme you want to approach first. Uh, and you can pick, and you can do them in any order you want. Okay. So the the three, or excuse me, the four themes are are there's a compassionate round, a spontaneous round, a funny round, and a romantic round. Uh, and, and so these these are different traits you're trying to portray to the person you want to ask out. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, what you have to do during a round is you have to clear the stack of five cards. Okay. Um, so so uh, you know you, you pick. Let's say you're picking funny for this round, and then you say. Uh, I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at the cards I have in my hand, and I'm gonna look at the cards that are face up on the table for the from the date deck. And you're gonna say, I think I can successfully clear based on what I can see and what I have in my hand. I think I can successfully clear you know the first stack on this round. And that's gonna be my funny score. Right. Okay. My funny result. Doesn't matter which one you pick to start with. But of course, when you get to the end of the game, uh, the last round, there's only one stack left, and you're stuck with that. Right. Okay. So. Um, Okay, now I'm going to get into the new stuff. New stuff. Yeah. I wanted to try and keep this not too complicated. So I decided to go with some some icon matching. Okay. okay. 
So we've got four icons in the game. Uh, four icons right now are a heart, a flower, a kitten, and a piece of candy. Okay. okay. I don't know. Just picked four things. Who knows if those are what they would end up being long-term. Doesn't matter. Um, so what you've got uh, in your hand and in the date deck, uh, there are cards that have one, two, or three icons on them. Okay. So okay. Uh, if you've got, if you've got um, five cards... So let's say the, the date deck you've got you've got a card out there that has two icons on it, and it's got a, a heart and a kitten. Okay, those are those are the two icons on that first card. Sure. Okay, in order to clear that card, you have to clear it. You have to be able to put down a heart and a kitten. Okay. Okay. So you got to do icon matching, then you can clear those cards. Piece of cake, right? Piece of cake. The cards in your hand are going to have one, two, or three icons on them. So you might have a card that has a heart and a kitten on it, you play the one card, you're all good, right? It's cleared. Uh, or you might have to ha- play two cards, one that has a single heart on it and one that has a single kitten on it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the only kitten you've got is on a card with with three icons on it and the only way to clear that is to play that one. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then you wasted a three icon card on that. Right. Okay. But you got you got more cards in your deck than you need, so that's okay. Right. It's not the end that's, of the world. Those are good choices, though. Okay. So... um. The next thing, though, is is the cards in your romance deck actually have two ends to them. There's a positive end and a negative end. Let's just say that the top half of the card is white and the bottom half of the card is black. And there's going to be the same number of icons on each end, but they're going to be different icons. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what you're going to do then is you're going to play that card, and you have to choose to either play it on the positive end or the negative end. That makes sense. Okay, to clear that card. And, and, so, and then you're going you're gonna to play until you, can, until you can clear that stack. Okay. So once that's done, first thing we need to do is determine our score for that round. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, to do that, you have to look at how many cards did it take you to clear that stack. Remember, five cards in the from the date deck in each stack. Right. Okay. If you can clear that that stack with only five cards, you're going to earn third, three points for the round. That's not very many points. Well, it'll make sense later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Because I don't want crazy high scoring. I, I I want every round to have a maximum of three points. It's one, okay. two, or three points per round. Okay. So if you if you can clear five cards with five cards, you're going to get three points. If you can clear the five cards with six, so if it costs you six cards to clear those five, you're going to get two points. Mm-hmm. If it takes you seven or more cards to clear that stack, you're only going to get one point for the round. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So then what you do is you look at the total cards, total cards that you use to clear that, because you're, you're not discarding them as you do that. You leave them in play. And you, and you determine how many uh, did you play that were positive and how many did you play that were negative. And that determines uh, uh, whether it's a, a positive or a negative score, so to speak. And, and it's, I'm, I'm using positive and negative as, as a label. It's, it, it, thematically, right now, I'm thinking of it as introvert versus extrovert. So there's the, your introvert score, your extrovert score. That makes sense. That might not stick long term, but whatever. Um, so then, what you have to do is you have to decide: Are those points that you earned going to be scored on the extrovert side or the introvert side? Okay, uh, and then and you score accordingly. So so if you had more extrovert points or more extrovert icons or cards that were used, then the points are all going to go on that side. If there's a tie, let's say you use six cards and there were three introvert and three extrovert, then you can pick which side you want those points to go on. Okay, but you're still still going to earn the points. Good? Good. Okay. Um, so then you're done. You're done with that round. 
uh, now you have you have a score track, and the score track has has two sides on it, and it starts as, as numbered, um, you know, one through. Gosh, what's the most max? Because the max you get then would be twelve points on any side. So the score track is one through twelve, and it's got a, the introvert, you know, and it's it's two sided, or you know, there's the above the line and below the line. So the above the line is the extrovert side, and the below the line is the introvert side, and you take your funny token because you were doing funny that round. Okay, that was the trait you were trying to score. You're gonna take your funny ro- token and you're gonna put it on the score track on either the introvert side or the extrovert side, uh, depending on which one of those sides ended up being scored based on what icons you you chose. Right. Or which which icons you played from your cards. Uh, and then you're going to place that icon at, if you if you did that in five cards and you're going to earn three points, you're going to put the funny token uh, at, at position three on the score track. Okay? On the extrovert side, let's say. Right. Cool. So that's the end of that round. You draw your hand back up to five. Oh, and I should say, uh, uh, I think every time you play a card, you draw another card. Sure. Yeah, okay. So you're always going to have five in your hand. Okay. Um, now you have to pick your next round. And this time we're going to do, say, compassionate. You you pick what which trait you're going to go for for this round. You're going to pick the next stack that you want to do. Obviously, now there's only three stacks and you've spent some cards, so it's starting to tighten up a little bit. Uh, and then you try and clear that round again. Now, so let's say you get another three points at the end of your compassionate round. If that was to score... So we've already got funny at three on the introvert side, right? So let's say we get another three points this round. If we got it on the introvert side, you would now place the compassionate token at position six mm-hmm. on the introvert side because you got you added three points to the introvert side. But if you scored those three points on the extrovert side, then you put it at position three on the extrovert side. Yep. Okay. So you're adding the, the points that you gain to whichever side it right. they fit on. Okay. And you do that until you run until the game's over, until you clear all four stacks or until your draw deck runs out. Right. Okay. So if your draw deck runs out, uh, then that means you failed. You biffed it. You didn't romance anybody. You're staying home on prom night. Um, but let's, so then you make it to the end. You've scored all your stuff. You have cards left. Yeah, you win, except not necessarily. Because the, the, the pattern that you've made on your score sheet has to match certain, a certain range that connects with the expectations of the person you're dating. Right. Right. So you need that pattern then to match uh, the pattern that's on your the your dates card. If you match that or within a certain buffer, then they they agree to go out with you. But if you didn't match it, you still lose. Right. They they well, you win the game, but they say no, so you don't go to prom, and you're sad. Bummer. Okay. So the icon matching is a new thing. What are your thoughts? I actually like the icon matching. I think that adds a lot to the game. So no. I dig that. It made total sense to me. And okay. uh, yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a really good way to take it. Because I didn't want to make it too complicated, you know? No, it doesn't sound... I mean, no, no. Especially looking at the icons on the cards would make it incredibly... And it's clever, like, you know, oh, I have a three kitten. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use a three kitten because I only need one, but I got to play one, so I'm yeah. going to just burn that card. Yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. Because I want it to be... You know, if it's too complicated, then then being able to dial in that specific pattern that you want is going to be too hard, right? Right. So I want it to be as much about clearing the clearing the individual stacks as it is making sure you can dial in the specific scoring that you want. I like that a lot. You yeah. know, um, yeah, which last I, round becomes real important. Real important, right? And and also making sure that you're, you've got enough buffer for that. And um, and you know, maybe five cards in your hand is not enough. Maybe you need seven in your hand. You know, right. um, but still, I know I really like that. 
I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay. And there might be rounds where you say, oh, you know what? I I really need to spend more than five cards. I could clear this in five, but I need to spend seven to make sure I only get one point. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I, I dig that. Okay. So I like the manipulation there. Okay. So that's the core idea. I, you were calling, you saying call it promposal, which is not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Monster Prom is no no good because actually there's a video game that just came out called Monster Prom. Oh yeah, so so, that's a, yeah. so no monsters, um, but promposal is a pretty good name. Uh, anyway, I think I am going to take that to prototype. I've got card counts all cool. figured out and distribution of one, two, and three icons. I just now need to you know divide it up and and make the prototype. And if the theme for some reason turns out to be a loser, then just pivot and make it something else because like the mechanics sound good. Yeah, I think mechanically it could be so, okay. So just in case, like yeah, I, it's a weird theme. I think it's kind of neat, you know. I, so. Yeah, I think it might stand out a little bit. Yeah, art wise, it'd be super easy because it would it, the only art that would go into it. I, so it's you know it's it's iconography, which which I can do myself. Um, character art because the really the only character art would need to be on the uh, on your dates right mm-hmm. um, so I would need to figure out that I could try and do that myself I'm real slow at that you know like when I did Rumplebum that took me a while to do those characters right, and there weren't that many so no I think I had four characters in that so four no I think I had three characters in that yeah the knight the princess and the troll right but didn't right. you have like I had Male the bugs. Knights and female knights or something. No, I, I had I had the princess and the knight, and okay. yeah, and then and I had the troll, but and I had the bugs. So the really there, so and the the troll was was only just a face. She wasn't a full character. Um, so really, it was only two full characters that I did <laughs> right. for that. And I know, yeah, it took you. What, it took me a while, and I'm still really happy with the end result, but it took me a long time. Right. So that might be the kind of thing where I I maybe go find somebody to do that art for me. Right. Um, but I'm not there yet. I need to prototype it and see what I what I can come up with. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I finally finally hit on a solo game idea that I kind of like that I feel like is is maybe a little different, a little it might be inter- more interesting yeah. than you know roll the dice or something. You know, um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of stoked about that. I'm, I'm going to be working on that. I like it. Cool. Um, yeah, prom date or promposal, whatever. Cool. We are. Tight on time here now. Are we cause, okay? Because of the uh, explosion. Because the explosion. Uh, l- let me let me do a couple of real quick Twitter questions. Uh, let's say so. Uh, from Chris Rollins, he says, uh, "This reminds I because I tweeted for questions." He says, "This reminds me to tell you that it's pronounced Macultio, Macultio. I don't know, uh, Macultio, Washington." Uh, he says he heard it on uh, the podcast from a while back as he was getting caught up. I have no memory of saying that. Neither do I. I feel like that was another podcast, but thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Um, Seth Jaffe says, from the p- uh, point of view of a designer, um, how do you feel about new editions, reprints, anniversary editions, limited editions, etc.? cetera? Um, if I'm the designer, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't mind that. Um, I guess as a player, I... I I kind of don't care. I'm not a, I'm not a collector, you know, I'm not the guy, I don't feel a a need to be a completionist and get, you know, get a full set of anything. That's not something that that I've never been that guy. I agree. Um, That said, if I'm going to buy a game for for the first time and there are multiple editions, 
I, I might be, depending on how that's presented to me, I might be frustrated over trying to make a choice. I just want to play the fun game, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't want to have to figure out which version am I going to want, which one's the best and one. You buy it and so it's like, oh, you got that version? I'll, yeah, I'll, I don't, I'll I don't want to be in that position. So so as somebody who's buying a game for the first time, that that does not appeal to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And... Um, Nate Jones asks, which of your games was or is the hardest for you to, to design and why? Oh, well, for me, uh, Soda Kings continues to thwart me at every turn. How about yourself? Um, yeah, still making an Alone in the Wilderness game that I've been trying to work on, like a, yeah. like a survival simulation survival game that's not about mm-hmm. like you know fighting things and surviving. It's so, about yeah. resource management and building yeah. some kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm going to take a shot at it with this rolling right thing we're doing. So. Yeah, right, right, sure. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your questions, guys. Appreciate it very much. Uh, anything else, Jason? No. Okay. I'm good. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, email buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com, podcast BTG on Twitter. Jason is at J.A. Slingerlin. I'm at poorly underscore designed. Uh, like us on the Facebook. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, call our Google Voice number at 770-HOTEL-BTG. E- email is buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, buy our games from different places. Uh, and... Uh, that's enough. Thanks so much for listening, uh, and I hope that uh, you guys enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed the disaster that happened when Jason knocked his bottle over. So um, I did not, but thanks, though, bud. Sure. Uh, good night. Good night. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. I need to respond to this text real quick. Yeah, do it. Rob is currently responding to a text. He's typing, he's typing, yes. He's thinking about his door desk and how much he loves it. This door desk is the best. This door desk is the best. This door desk is the best. What, what? This door desk is the best. What? what? Door desk. Yeah. Oh my gosh.